Our second reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23, in the New International Version. Hear the word of God. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I always look forward to the end of the year celebrations of Valley Christian School, the year winding down and for the teachers as well as the students looking forward to summer vacation, that ripe moment just before a season of rest and recovery when the pressure and the work of the academic year are set aside. Field day is an important tradition at Valley Christian School, a day-long recess of games and athletic competitions for students of every age, and then the glorious culmination the tug-of-war contest between the faculty and the students. You can guess who wins every year. There is, of course, the graduation ceremony with all of its pomp and circumstance, beautiful clothes and beautiful music, student speeches that are both funny and poignant. We always laugh and cry at graduations, and not just the parents, the students laugh and cry too. We laugh, remembering the good times, the hijinks, the friends, the challenges met, and we cry the proud tears of parents and faculty who have seen these children come so far, seen these babies grow up into substantial people. We also cry the sad tears of students and friends taking leave of each other, venturing out of the cozy nest of a safe and nurturing school. Every VCS graduate hates to leave this place because we have 
such a special school here. And they have all been so deeply and meaningfully touched during their time here. For some of our BCS graduates, this is the only school that they've ever attended. For some of our graduates, this is the place where they first professed faith in Jesus Christ and were born again. My daughter Mia, who will be in the fifth grade next year, has been at Valley Christian School since she was four years old. She will not rest until we have a high school in place for her when that time comes. So if anyone has two million dollars that they want to donate and make a real difference in the lives of some young people, your money will be well spent at Valley Christian School. We'll even name the new building after you if you'd like. At the culmination of the graduation ceremony, diplomas and student prizes and scholarship money are distributed by Susan Kaler, the head of school, by Noel Wolf, the president of the school board, and Pat Seragian and Joan Clover, who have endowed scholarships in memory of family members and VCS alumni who passed away far too soon. That's a gratifying moment. And all the hearts of those filling the pews in this sanctuary swell with pride for so many jobs so well done. Now after the formal graduation ceremony, everyone heads down the hall for a post-graduation party. The boring old Boyer Fellowship Hall is turned into a magical space. And the celebration continues with faculty and family and photos and food and more funny speeches. And when all of the speeches are made and all of the food is eaten and all of the pomp of the day is over, a feeling of sweet contentment settles over the room. I always look forward to the end of the year at Valley Christian School. But this year, doggone it, this year is different. This stupid COVID-19 virus, this stupid quarantine, this is not how we imagined the school year would end with a whimper instead of a bang. A disappointment has replaced our usual contentment. Students and teachers, not only at Valley Christian School, but at so many schools across the land, have risen to the challenge of this quarantine. They have done really good work. But instead of ending with a bang, it all ends with a disappointing fizzle. We have come to the end of Paul's epistle to the Philippians. And I wonder if the Apostle Paul knew that kind of disappointment himself. Paul, the greatest evangelist of all times, had an amazing career. As a young man, he was on fire for God. He studied under Gamaliel, the greatest Torah scholar of his time. He was devoted to studying God's Word. He was devoted to keeping God's law. And when he encountered the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, which he thought were false, Paul was devoted to persecuting and stamping out the young church. He was there when the very first Christian was killed for his faith. But then, as you know, something unbelievable happened. 
this Jesus whom Paul knew to have been crucified and buried, this Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus and speaks to Paul. Paul saw the resurrected Jesus and the sight of Jesus in his resurrected glorified body blinded Paul. Paul's natural eyes were blinded for a time, but his spiritual eyes were open forever. Paul saw that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of the promises that had been made through the prophets. Paul had been a good man. Paul had been a religious man. Paul believed in God, but it wasn't until Jesus opened Paul's eyes that Paul was born again. Not everyone who is religious, not everyone who studies the Bible, not everyone who believes in God goes to heaven. Hell is full of religious people. And if you don't believe me, then read what Jesus says to the Pharisees in the Gospels. For example, in John chapter 8, Jesus says to a group of Pharisees who had been making some quibbling arguments with him, he writes, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say, you belong to your father, the devil. Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. These harsh words Jesus spoke to religious people, to people who believed in God, to people who studied the Bible, to people who, if they did not have a 180 degree change of heart, if they were not born again, to people who would be bound for hell. Heaven and New Jerusalem is the destiny of those who have been born again. Paul was a born again Pharisee. So it is possible for children of the devil to become children of God. And we are born again only when Jesus grabs us by the scruff of our necks and shakes us awake and shows us himself and makes us realize that we have no hope outside of him. Paul did not go looking for Jesus, but Jesus, the good shepherd, looking for the lost sheep, went looking for Paul. Has Jesus been looking for you? Once Paul was found, once he was born again, everything changed. Paul's priorities in life changed. Paul's goal in life changed. After he met Christ, his only desire in life was to honor Christ by telling other people about the gospel to do nothing but to preach Christ and Christ crucified. So he left home. He left the land of his ancestors. He left the land of his native language. He took many dangerous missionary journeys into countries that were sick with every conceivable human perversion and sin. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was thrown into prison. But through Paul, God called many people to salvation. To salvation by faith in Christ and him crucified. I am a Christian Because of the Apostle Paul. Almost 2,000 years ago, someone in Greece or in Turkey heard the gospel 
from Paul, and he came to faith. And then someone else heard that gospel from the person that Paul had converted. And so it went down through hundreds of generations until in 1923, Percy Crawford heard the gospel preached by W.P. Nicholson at the Church of the Open Door in Los Angeles. And then in 1948, my mother heard the gospel preached by Percy Crawford at Pine Brook Bible Conference in the Poconos. And then in the 1960s, I heard the gospel at my mother's knees. I am a Christian because of the Apostle Paul. Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church, Valley Christian School, exists because of the missionary work of the Apostle Paul. He was the most successful missionary ever, and his legacy lives on today. But I wonder if Paul didn't sometimes feel disappointed. One of Paul's great goals was to preach the gospel in Rome. Rome was the New York City of his time. It was the capital of the greatest empire on earth. It was the epicenter of European power and culture. Paul eventually reached Rome, but he got there not as a free man able to evangelize as he wished in synagogues and on street corners. Rather, Paul came as a prisoner under guard. And he writes to the church at Philippi. Mophe read for us, a portion of that letter today, Paul writes to the church at Philippi while he is in jail on death row. And in that letter he writes, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. Being content is the opposite of being disappointed. And Paul had found the secret of contentment. Are you content? To be content is to be satisfied. To be happy. To be at peace. To know things are well with you. Are you content? The opposite of being Content is to be discontent, dissatisfied, disillusioned, disappointed, unhappy, restless, wishing things were somehow other than the way they are. Are you content? If we are content, then things are with us literally as good as they could be. When we are satisfied and at peace, we literally do not have a care in the world. Are you content? Now we live in a world that is deeply discontented. Every advertisement that we see is designed to make us think that we will be happy if only we had certain possessions. Every television show, every movie is designed to make us think that we will be satisfied if only we looked a certain way. If only we had certain clothes, if only we were famous, if only we had certain friends, if only we had certain leaders, if only we lived in a certain neighborhood, if only we drove a certain car, if only we went to a certain college, if only we had a certain significant other. We live in a world that is deeply discontented and restless, always looking for something that will make us happy and satisfied. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless 
until they rest in God? Are you content? Now some people think that contentment might be a sign of having low expectations. That maybe it's a sign of laziness. But Paul was a very ambitious man. Paul worked very hard. He wanted to do great things, and he did do great things. But even when he wasn't able to do what he wanted, for example, he had this dream of going to Spain to preach the gospel. Spain was at the end of the known world at that time, but he never got there. Even when Paul was stuck in prison with only weeks left to live, he was content. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. If we are content, we have everything, everything we want. If we are content, we are satisfied. Our hunger and our thirst for things has been met. In the 23rd Psalm, a psalm of great contentment, King David gives us a picture of himself as a contented sheep. The Good Shepherd has brought him to a good pasture. He has plenty to eat. He lies down next to a stream of still water. And even when he is taken into a place of danger, into a valley of the shadow of death, he is guided and protected by the Good Shepherd. He is content. And David knows that his contentment will be forever in the presence of the Lord. So what is Paul's secret of contentment? As it turns out, it actually is a possession. A certain possession. A certain tremendously precious possession. Jesus hints at this in two little parables that we find in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Paul became the man who bought the field. Paul became the man who bought the pearl of great price. And he gave everything that he had for that one possession. He writes in Philippians chapter 3, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Paul discovered the secret of contentment as having one possession, namely Christ. To have Christ, to hold Christ, to gain Christ. That is the possession that satisfies and fulfills every longing. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, created this universe we live in. That's what we read in the first chapter of John, the Gospel of John. And when we have Christ, He has us. And we have all things. We are content. We are 
completely, totally, 100% satisfied. We are completely, totally, 100% secure and at peace. So are you content? Or do you have an itching dissatisfaction with your life? Do you wish things could be different for you? Do you think that you would be happier if only fill in the blank? Of course, I'm not asking you if you're religious. I'm not asking you if you believe certain facts about God. All the demons in hell who are tortured by endless bitterness and dissatisfaction. All the demons in hell know more about God than we do. I'm not asking you about what you know. What I'm asking is, are you content? The secret of contentment is simple. His name is Jesus. Jesus made you. Jesus knew you before you were born. And when sin, your sin, got between you and God, Jesus died on a cross so that you could be restored to the Father. It is by faith that we grab hold of Jesus. And when we are united with Him, our sins are atoned for. Our relationship with God is restored. And we are at peace with God. And we are content with our lives. Now there is nothing greater in this world than happiness and contentment. And you can possess it. It can be yours. But there is a price for this possession... Jesus hinted at that price in his two little parables. The price for having Jesus is your life. Your whole life. That's the price. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. We can spend our Lives trying to find contentment in the things of the world. We can spend our days pursuing wealth and fame and pleasure and accolades and leisure. We can spend our whole lives that way on a treadmill of discontent. Or we can give our lives to Christ and follow Him and be His disciple and take up our cross. And in spite of the cross, with its suffering... And it's trouble. We still have contentment. In either case, and we can make the choice, we give up our whole life for something. The question is, what will we get in exchange? When Paul met Jesus, Paul gave his whole life to Christ. In the end, it cost his head being lobbed off in the streets of Rome But Jesus gave back to Paul a new life, a born-again life, a life in which he was content in all of those hard circumstances that he faced. Paul's life as a Christian was not an easy life. I'm not saying that contentment is ease. Quite the opposite. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Is your life full? Are you content? Paul exchanged his whole life for a life in Christ. He had no regrets. 
He was perfectly content and fully satisfied even in his suffering, even in his misery, even on death row. Well, how about you? Are you where you want to be? Is your life filled with joy and love and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Are you living life to the full? Are you content? If you're looking for more than you have right now, then I invite you to give your life wholly to Christ. I invite you to commit your entire life to Jesus and to His kingdom now and forever. Because that's the price of contentment. That's the cost of the pearl of great price. And if you have never made that kind of commitment to Christ before, I invite you to make that kind of commitment today. We'll pray a prayer of commitment at the end of this sermon, and I will invite you to join with me in laying it all on the altar for God. Whatever it is that you've been holding back from God, give it to Him. Because that is the price of contentment. And if at some time in the past you have made that kind of commitment, but the things of this world and the things of this flesh have pushed in on you and captured your attention and distracted you, then I invite you to come back to Christ. He always welcomes the prodigal. This is the day to choose. Let this be the day you choose to give up everything the world has to offer and instead choose the better thing to grab hold of Christ who is the creator of this world and the source of real contentment. It's a decision you can make today. And it's a decision you will never regret. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we struggle and we suffer. And we long for peace, and yet it eludes us. And then we have these examples of those who were wholly committed to you. Who somehow, in circumstances that are far graver than anything that we have ever experienced, that even in the midst of those circumstances, they discovered victory and contentment and satisfaction and pleasure. Lord God, I thank you for the hunger and the dissatisfaction that bubbles in the human heart because it is a sign that we are not fulfilled fully who you have called us to be until we find you. And so I pray that you keep coming for us and calling for us. 
so that we can find you. Lord, I pray that we can lay our lives down on the altar and commit it all to you. Lord, we have lived for ourselves and it's been a stupid bargain. We have pursued our own good and we've lost out. We have been selfish and have actually come up short. Lord, I pray that you would give us a deep thirst and a desire for things that are truly good. For things that satisfy in this world and the world to come. Lord, we lay our lives at your feet. We commit our time and our attention and our honor and our wealth. We commit it to you and to the work of your kingdom. We know the things of this world are passing away. You have instructed us to lay up treasures in heaven. Help us do that, Lord. Give us satisfaction in real meat and in real drink. Help us to be dissatisfied with things that are thin and watery and paltry, the things of this world. May we love others more than we love ourselves. May we love you above all. May we serve others more than ourselves. May we serve you above all. Lord God, honestly, we pray this prayer in selfishness because we know we will be blessed if we follow you, if we cling to you, if we're claimed by you. But may we also pray this prayer for your honor and for your glory. Knowing that you are God above all gods. That you are the reality undergirding all of reality. That you are the health behind all of living. That you are the peace that we long for. Lord, may we not be content until we've given it all up for you. You are worthy. And we worship you with our lives. Help us, Lord. Amen. I'd invite you to sing now our second song.